At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. All righty, let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Monday to all of you out there, and welcome into another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here as always. You can follow along on Twitter at Danny Burke5 and make sure you check out my show, Rush Hour, on the Marquee Sports Network on VSIN.com or the VSIN app. Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, and YouTube TV, and wherever you get your podcasts available with iHeartRadio, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. We broadcast live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. It's always a fun time, and you know what else is fun? Getting some profit boosts. On all your tennis wagers, because guess what? Speaking of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, they're serving up some big wins with their new weekly profit boost on all tennis wagers. So if you visit BetRivers.com or you can download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app on every Wednesday, you will receive a 20% profit boost for any tennis wager. And now you can even stream your favorite tennis players right from the Bet Rivers app. Heat up your summer with the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app. It's a whole new game. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Okay, well, let's get started, folks. How about a nice little recap of this past weekend? Lollapalooza, baby. Did you show out? Did you say screw that and stayed inside because you didn't want to get involved with the festival crowds? Wouldn't blame you either way. I did end up making it out Saturday night personally uh, to see J. Cole, one of my favorite artists. Had to see him. Only went for the one night. 
Didn't want to go all day. It's a, uh, it's a young person's crowd at this point, and it's kind of a uh, crap show to keep it PG, if you know what I mean. And you already know that, and that's probably why you stayed inside. But besides that, uh, I hope you found a way to entertain yourselves this weekend in the betting sphere. Maybe it was betting the White Sox on Saturday and Sunday. Maybe it was continuing to fade the Cubbies. Or maybe, and hopefully, you're able to follow our guy Reed Kuhn, who joined us on Friday to talk some UFC. He crushes it once again in the octagon. Folks, I'm telling you, if you see him on the Beeson Airwaves, make sure you tune in. He's having one of the most phenomenal UFC betting seasons I have witnessed. I think he had like one loss from his top play this week in UFC 277. And then the week before, pretty much the same scenario. And the ones he loses, it's an underdog that he kind of likes think it's worth the play, but everything else that he's got a lot of conviction with, the dude is all over it. So uh, I definitely tailed him again, made me some money. So shout out to Reed at Fightnomics where you could follow him on Twitter. And we were able to cash our own baseball play on Friday. The Yankees team total over five comes through. I think they had like three runs going into the eighth. And then I saw it was delayed, and then I checked the score, and they had 11 runs. So I don't really know what ended up happening because I was at an after show on Friday night, and uh, I was just happy to see we had a winner. So uh, our MLB record moves to 53-43-2. Hopefully you're able to cash that from our show on Friday. Um, the White Sox, like we said, took two out of three versus the A's. Embarrassing first game from Lance Lynn against Caprillian. I mean, at that point, I was just like, you. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, my friends who are Sox fans were telling me the score. I was like, you're serious? Lance Lynn did that after he finally gave you one good start. You're taking on the A's at home and Caprillion, and he got one earned run against James Caprillion, and then Lance Lynn gave a four? Jeez. I was like, at that point, burn it all down. But at least the Sox bounced back the next two games. Cease got the job done on Sunday, Cueto on Saturday, and luckily for you, Minnesota lost uh, some games too. They've lost their last four to five. Guardians have split their last four games. The White Sox now two games back from the Twins, and the Guardians just one game back. Oh, and by the way, I think we said on Friday here that we would take the over for the Sox and the A's. Just a lean, ended up 7-3. to three. And with that Cubs game on Friday... Uh, I think he said he'd only take the Giants, but ultimately we really like that under first three and first five. Both came through with Stroman having a flawless outing. Giants bullpen blew it in the ninth, and the Cubs almost did, but that was the lone win the Cubs found on Friday. So uh, that was a crazy game. But yeah, that was pretty much the recap of this weekend in baseball. Cubs getting off day to day. Wilson Contreras says he's got his phone next to him, waiting to see what happens, and I'm sure Ian Happ is doing much of the same. Is Ian Happ going to the White Sox? Yeah, that's what we've been hearing. Is Juan Soto going to be going anywhere? I see him trending on Twitter right now. By the way, I'm recording this at about 10.45 a.m. Central Time, so if I miss anything, that would probably be why. But let's see. Jeff Passan tweeting this year has put the dead in deadline. Last year it was slow too, and then there were 36 trades in the last 48 hours. So, uh, yeah. This would be the time for this to come to fruition if any trades are going to happen. It's going to be sad. But enjoy Ian Happ and most especially Wilson Contreras being a part of the Cubs while you can, folks. But let's get into it. Let's focus in on tonight's action with the White Sox as they host now another favorable series against the Kansas City Royals. 
By the way, we will get into the NFL news with Deshaun Watson in the second part along with some Bears news. So don't worry, I'm not skipping it. But the White Sox taking on the Royals tonight. Two games back from first. Can they capitalize against a weaker opponent in the Kansas City Royals? The Royals are coming off an 8-6 win, a thrilling win on the East Coast against the Yankees. But they had lost their previous four games. And their hitting has just been terrible during that short span. And then beyond that, I mean, hence why they're not really that good of a team. That and many more reasons. The Sox won their last two versus Oakland, as I alluded to, and they both have beaten each other four times this season. Should be a little bit of a hotter day, I guaranteed. The wind's blown out the center field. Not much, but enough to make a slight impact, so the runs could be coming in a decent amount tonight, depending on how these pitchers do. And the pitchers you are going to be seeing will be Michael Kopech and Brad Keller. A couple of righties taking the bump for each respective squad. Michael Kopech coming off a nice outing at Coors Field. We backed him in that game. We sweat a little bit with that bullpen, but hey, Michael Kopech did his job in that spot. He was great. I mean, he went 5.1 innings, 6 hits, no earned runs, and 4 strikeouts for his first start at Coors. He can't ask for much more than that. Versus Kansas City this year, he's gone up against them once. He went 5 innings, allowed 3 hits, 2 earned runs, and 3 strikeouts. The Royals did win that game 5-2 to two in 10 innings. Um, I don't think, or I think that was in April. So it, it's been quite some time since he's faced Kansas City up to this point. Now, Kopech for whatever reason, has been a little bit worse at home. He's got a 467 fit back guaranteed rate field. But over the last three games, he has been a very serviceable starting pitcher. He hasn't faced the toughest of opponents, but it's not like Kansas City should be the toughest of opponents. Kansas City's not hitting righties particularly well. They got a 677 OPS, a 299 weighted on base average, and then a lowly 91 weighted runs created plus. Overall this year, Kopech has a 4-6 record with a 3-16 ERA. You're thinking, that's not too bad. Good ERA. But then again, like we were talking about last week, you look at his FIP. You look at his Sierra, and this would scare you the hell away from betting him. Because he's got a FIP of 442 and a Sierra of 485. That's terrible. That's not someone you want to back. Here's the thing. I don't know if it's just... It's he's he's due to just completely blow up or these numbers aren't adjusting properly because he's pitched fine the last few outings. It's not, again, the most comfortable thing, but he finds a way. Now, he is walking a lot of guys, and that's what you hate to see. He needs to limit that. He's walking four and a half guys per nine innings pitched. But he's got a 79% left on base percentage and a 226 Babbitt, which is really, really good. And then his home run to fly ball ratio, he's maintained under 10%. Right now, it's listed at 8.3%. And then he's got a 1.21 whip. So honestly, folks, if you look at everything besides FIP and Sierra, which, yes, I know are the things I take into account the most, but if you look at everything else, this dude would be looking fantastic. And if you're going against a good team and you know his FIP, you know his Sierra, yeah, you probably stay away and just observe from the outside. But if you get an opportunity against the Royals, I think you could still back Michael Kopech here. And that's why I liked him at Coors. I liked him over, I forget who they had, uh, Marquez. I liked him over Marquez at home, despite it being a hitter's ballpark. Kopech was able to pitch very well. I mean, the Rockies, not the best team, but when they hit, they hit at home, of course. And the fact that he could do that 
gives me some confidence in, in him limiting the Royals at least enough at guaranteed rate field. And I know that it's not a pitcher's park on the south side. That's completely understood. But Kopech seems like he may be trending in the right direction. I say that very lightly while knocking on wood, but hopefully that can be the case tonight for Michael Kopech. Now, Brad Keller will be starting for the Royals. Keller is 5-11 this year with a 418 ERA. So Keller, I don't know why, I just feel like this dude pitches every other day. I, I guess maybe the only time I really pay attention to the Royals and their betting odds, it's when Brad Keller is pitching. Let me make sure that he is going, by the way. Double check at vsin.com. Yep, Brad Keller and Michael Kopech. All right, because sometimes I use it, you know, other sites to see who's starting, and sometimes it changes. So just want to make sure I got it right. But Brad Keller, five and eleven record, four eighteen ERA. He's got a higher FIP too, four twenty six. Walking about three point three guys per nine innings pitched. He's got a higher home run to fly ball ratio. He's at eleven percent actually, and he's got a concerning Sierra, much like Kopech, four point six three, and then a higher WHIP at one point three two. So there's not the most trustworthy numbers out of Brad Keller himself. But if you want to back him, I mean, I guess the good news is he has done fairly well against the White Sox this year. One start at home, he went seven innings, allowed eight hits, three earned runs, racked up three strikeouts. But the Sox did win that game 5-3 to three final in 10. But the game prior to that in Chicago, he also went seven innings. Also racked up three strikeouts, but just gave up three hits and one earned run. And the Royals won that game 5-2 to two final in 10 innings. Not bad. Keller doing very well against the Southsiders. I don't know what it is. He's got a bone to pick with Chicago, but he has thrived this season against the White Sox. Now, what could also make the difference here, and you always want to look at how they've done as of late, I get the specific split in team matters, but also Keller at this point in the season kind of winding down a little bit. He surrendered seven earned runs throughout his last two starts, and both of those were at home. I think they're against the Angels and the Rays. Rays, that's not surprising, but the Angels, eh, you don't want to be giving up a uh, dangerous amount of runs to the Angels. That's never a good sign, but hey, it is what it is. But yeah, Keller has not been looking great as of late. Um... And both of those were at home. I don't know if I already said that, but the thing I, or the reason I bring that up is because he's got a better FIP at home, 3.88, yet he has struggled there as of late. So if the one area that he's done somewhat decent in, he's not looking decent in it right now, what can we expect from him on the road? Because his FIP on the road is a tad bit different than it is at home. So like we said, at home, Keller has a FIP of 3.88. Seven earned runs he has given up throughout his last two starts at home. But on the road, Keller has a FIP of 477. Big difference there. If he has struggled his last two starts at home, where he should be doing better, his FIP is worse on the road. Is this going to equal a disastrous outcome for Keller tonight, or at least bad enough to where the White Sox can take advantage of it? That's the big question. Now, we always talk about the White Sox versus righties, and overall, no, their numbers are not great, although they're Virtually the same as the Royals, 677 OPS, 298 Woba. The Royals were at 677 and 299. And then the Royals were at 91 WRC+, the White Sox at 94 WRC+. 
But like I've been doing, you got to go with the more recent sample size with the White Sox, in particular from the start of July. So from July 1st against righties, the White Sox have an OPS of 738, a WOBA of 322, and then their WRC plus, or weighted runs created plus, goes up to 111. Now, the Royals have been better this past month as well, and a lot of that's going to be from the benefit of the hotter summer days and just the ball flying off your bat a little bit better. But the White Sox have been consistent in the sense of at least doing enough against righties on lesser teams. The Royals qualify in that category, that is for sure. And the good news is the Royals have a terrible bullpen. They have the second highest bullpen ERA at 462 and the highest whip in the big leagues at 151 throughout their bullpen. Yikes. The White Sox bullpen ERA now at 403 and their whip is 132. Not saying the Sox have a trustworthy bullpen. You know I have ranted about that numerous times, but it's not as bad as the Royals have been up to date. Where would you make this line, folks? Where would you put the White Sox? You gotta have them as a favorite, but do you want to make them a huge favorite? Kopech's numbers could be signaling a terrible start. Keller has done well against the White Sox. The White Sox are prone to losing games they shouldn't, i.e. Friday, Lynn versus Caprillion. But despite that, you got to take it game by game. And I'm going to put the White Sox as the favorite, of course, but I'm going to make them, like, to me, since it's like the halfway point from 100 to 200, of course, like 150, when you're over 150, that goes from it being like a, oh, they should definitely win to, uh, yeah, they have a really good spot, but it wouldn't shock me if the other team wins. So basically what I'm saying is like, if I go over 150 with a team, I will be fairly surprised if they lose. If I go like 150 or lower, meaning like if I'm at a 140, 145, like, yeah, this team has the advantages. They should be the favorite, but it wouldn't be the craziest thing if the other team beat them. And I realize that teams who are $3 favorites lose sometimes because that's baseball. But in my mind, if I'm putting you below 150, I would think that the underdog has a very good chance at winning still. But if you're over 150, I'm looking at that like, nah, about like seven times out of 10, you should be beating this team in this situation. And if I'm laying over that, I'm doing it with the expectation that you have to be winning this game. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but in my mind, that's kind of just how I'm justifying it a little bit. But long story short, I'm opening the White Sox right at minus 150. I would have leaned toward going to minus 155 more so than I would have went the opposite way. And then I put Kansas City at plus 135. And then I made the total 8.5 because the wind's blowing out and these pitchers could be allowing a lot of runs. So the White Sox did open up as a favorite and a big one, but I was way off compared to what Bet Rivers and pretty much every other sports book made them. So I did minus 150, right? Bet Rivers put a minus 179. Yeah. 29 cent difference there, folks. And then a 15 cent difference with the Royals. I made them plus 135. Bet Rivers has them plus 150. So I was a little bit off, to say the least. And that, in that spot, meeting where Bad Rivers put them, that's me looking at them as that big of a favorite, going, yeah, they should and be, and they sh- they should be winning this game tonight, and they need to be winning this game tonight. But at that big of a price, since I don't think they should be that big, I wouldn't want to lay that, right? 
Because I clearly don't have as much conviction to lay that much on this White Sox team to win tonight. I do think they win. I think they have the advantages, but not up to minus 180. But again, that's just where it opened. Where has it moved to? Because at Bet Rivers, there has been some alterations. 14 cents, mind you. The White Sox are now minus 165 at Bet Rivers. The Royals are now plus 140, and the total has ticked up to nine. And I would agree with that movement on the total up to nine. That doesn't bother me. And I also think it's correct in seeing the Royals catching some money here. I mean, the Royals at plus 150 slash more so the White Sox up to minus 180 is just way too high. It is. Again, I think they should win. I think they do win. I think they should be the favorite, but not that big of a favorite. You're going against a division foe, and you're going against Brad Keller, who has had success against you not once, but twice. And we know this White Sox team is not only just lost bad spots like this where they shouldn't, but really they've kind of struggled at home. It's not just Kopech who's pitched worse at home. It seems like everybody on their team has just not played as well at their home ballpark, which is silly as hell, but that's just the White Sox as of this point, folks. When I'm looking at this game, by the way, the White Sox run line is plus 130. If you want to take the run in the hook with Kansas City, it's minus a buck 55. I am always treading lightly when it's uh, the run line with the White Sox in that terrible bullpen. But again, the Royals have one of the worst bullpens. I want to get involved with the White Sox. If they were like minus 155 or lower, I would probably bet them. But at minus 165, without seeing the lineups, I can't pull the trigger here. And again, I just told you, I don't want to lay the run line. If this line moves down to an appropriate enough price, I may get involved with the White Sox. But as of this moment, it doesn't seem worth it. I wouldn't talk anybody out of betting them, but I would just make sure that you're getting the best number out of it. You could do the White Sox minus one run at minus 114. That's actually an angle I don't hate. So Bet Rivers lets you lay just minus one. And the reason you do that is because of a situation like this. And I'm sure a lot of people advise against it. Seldom, seldom do I do it. Because more often than not, it's not going to fall on one. And I'm kind of smiling as I say that because I've gotten screwed by games falling on one like four times this year. And I have bet it, minus one, and uh, it's it's been fine. But like sometimes they'll give you minus one and it'll still be like minus 130. And then at that point, I'm like, nah, screw that. I'm just going to do the run line or not bet it. But the White Sox minus one at minus 114, that's not a bad price, honestly. And again, the reason I say to do this is because it could be a closer game because both of these pitchers don't have the best underlying statistics. They have the familiarity within the division. Keller's done well against the White Sox. It just could be a closer game. And minus one at minus 114 gives you the security if the White Sox bullpen implodes toward the end of the game and they just barely hold on by one. Heck, when we bet the White Sox with Kopech against the Rockies, they were up 2 nothing. Hendricks gives up a solo home run and they only win by one. It happens more often this season, it seems like, than you think. Is it anecdotal? Yes. But has it happened a lot to me? More than I would like it to. And that's the sad reality of the run line this year for your boy. But look, if, you, if, you, if you're not someone who wants to do that, I get it. I'm just saying it's another opportunity to consider. Maybe same thing with the lead after the first five innings. That's always a, a decent approach to make. The, the reason I wouldn't be entertained with that as much is because then you don't really get to take advantage of the Royals' terrible bullpen. 
And that's the main reason I'd want to fade him here. But the lead after the first five innings, uh, the White Sox are minus 108. They're minus 143 for the first five money line. And you know Kopech could have a bad first five, and then the White Sox could work their way up against that bullpen in the seventh, eighth inning. So that's why I don't think a first five is a good spot for this game. But yeah, maybe something like that with the White Sox. I don't know, folks. Um, again, maybe a reason why you're you're fine with going with the run line. You've seen the total tick up to nine, which is signaling that there's probably going to be more runs in this game, which gives the Sox, if they're going to win, a better chance to win by a larger margin. That would be the thought process. So look at the run line in some kind of capacity. If you like Chicago, that's how I would do it. Because I don't think laying minus 165 is is really a safe venture to make with Chicago. Now, if you're someone who doesn't care about laying that much and you're betting to risk, not betting to win, meaning if your standard unit bet's like 100 and you do that at the odds of minus 165 and you're flat betting every single time, then so be it. Go with the money line. But if you're someone who's betting to win, meaning you're betting to win 100, so it's minus 165, 165 to win 100, I would just say be a little cautious here. You can never fully trust the White Sox, but this is a spot where they should win. We'll see where it goes by the time we hit rush hour tonight. Then maybe I'll have some more thoughts on the situation. But uh, Kopech I also thought was a little interesting because the Royals hitters have actually really struggled against Kopech. I would maybe consider him over five and a half strikeouts at plus 125. He's only gone over it five times this season, so not the biggest the biggest market to want to back Kopech with in terms of his trends in this spot. But if you somehow got a flat five or a four and a half, although I didn't see any out there in Illinois, then I would look at that for Kopech, but he really hasn't gone six and above that often this year. So I considered it, didn't really like it, but maybe a good spot tonight against Kansas City. All righty, folks, let's take a quick break here. Coming back, we'll talk the latest news throughout Chicago. I keep seeing notifications, something with DeMar DeRozan. So uh, let me let me tell you what that is next if you haven't heard about it. And then let's talk more about the Bears training camp and Deshaun Watson and his suspension. Stick around. That will be discussed in the second part of Monday's edition of the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every single Tuesday during the entire regular season. You can use it on straight bets player props, or a same-game parlay. You decide. Log on to the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. All right, folks, sorry if I made your heart stop for just a second or caused you some panic. I mentioned news about DeMar DeRozan because Shams, you know, I got uh, I got his notifications on and I just saw something with DeMar DeRozan and signing. And not that that would really be doing anything with his contract, but what it was is uh, Shams tweeted, Fresh off making All-NBA second team, Chicago Bulls star DeMar DeRozan is signing a new four-year deal with Nike 
with Nike that keeps him as the featured face of Kobe Bryant's iconic line. So that's awesome. Good for DeMar DeRozan. Sorry if I scared you a little bit. Just saw his name and uh, wondered if anything crazy had happened. But that was the news with DeMar DeRozan. Speaking of people I have tweet notifications on, I'm sure you've seen him on Twitter. You may follow him. Maybe you haven't. But Daniel Greenberg is Mr. Chicago Sports uh, at Shy Sport Update. So I get his notifications on because he's really tracking everything when I don't have the time to as much. And he's up to date on what a lot of these current players in Chicago are saying, former players. And I wanted to go over some of the tweets that he's made this morning and last night, I guess you could say. But his most recent one revolved around Mitch Trubisky. And again, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but it's summer. We're filling some content. Uh, In Chicago, Mitch Trubisky said, they wanted me to play the coach's game. Call it whatever you will. That's just how it felt to me. End quote. That's what Trubisky told Albert Breer. Breer's the senior NFL reporter uh, at the Monday morning quarterback, 98.5, the sports hub, NBC Boston, or NBCS Boston. Uh, yeah, anyways, you've probably seen Albert Breer, but I guess he was talking with Trubisky, and that's what Mitch said. Look, Trubisky's not that good. The coach has screwed him. Both things can be right. Would Trubisky have done better with a different coaching staff? I'm sure he would have. Could Matt Nagy have done better if they had drafted Deshaun Watson instead of Mitch Trubisky? Hey, guess what? You bet your ass they would have. Same with Patrick Mahomes. Both are bad in their respective professions. Nagging company, probably worse. Probably worse. But you will see this year that Trubisky isn't, I don't know, fine or okay what the better term is, but he is just there. Like, he is not a guy who will lead you to the postseason. Let's knock it off with the Trubisky narrative. And I hate the fact that we keep hearing news of him. And I know I'm the one talking about it right now, but it's just so easy to complain about it. Maybe that's why you keep reporting on it because it's so easy. But I don't think Chicago can move on in our whole lives, at least in our football lives, until we just stop giving a damn about Mitch Trubisky. Like the Cubs with Steve Bartman almost. Put it in the past. Let's move on. Put Trubisky in the past. Let's move on. It's harder because he's still playing, but he's in the other conference. Give it a rest. You'll see him struggle, and then you can shut up about it already. But is he wrong? No, he's probably not wrong about what he said. I guarantee it was the coach's game. But at the same time, Trubisky, you didn't do anything that impressive. You didn't do anything that thrilling. You weren't overachieving. You only did well when you were scrambling and improvising, and guess what? You abandoned that your last two years because he got injured, and you were probably a little bit hesitant. Did Matt Nagy have terrible play calling? You bet he did. But did you have bad playmaking ability? You bet you did. Both are bad. Both are gone. Good days ahead. Woohoo! Let's forget about it. Uh, speaking of the Bears, Daniel Greenberg also tweeted via Sportico. Guess they tweet out about uh, financial figures for teams. But uh, the Chicago Bears are worth $5 billion, a 25% increase from last year. They are the sixth most valuable team in the National Football League. Wow. Okay. Not shocking. They should be up there. But what's shocking is how bad they've been considering how much they're worth. They need to be better, and hopefully they will be. Not much needs to be said about that. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, Another interesting Bears line that that was dished out by Daniel Greenberg. Um... 
the Chicago Bears tweeted it out themselves, or they report on it themselves, but um, Chicago Bears running back Khalil Herbert said that the Bears coaching staff are really good teachers, and they sometimes play Kahoot during meetings to make things fun and make it a competition. Herbert, in quotes, I love this staff and how they teach us. It's next level. Look, I know that they're going to be saying good things about the staff regardless because that's just, you know, typically how it goes when you bring in a new staff. You're not just going to be talking trash right away. But it seems like these players have been adamant in really expressing the differences, the maturity, the organization, the camaraderie, the fun, whatever you want to call it, that the staff has had. And you just didn't hear that with Nagy and company. Maybe year one when they were having fun and Nagy won coach of the year, right? After that... Uh, you didn't hear anything about it. These players really seem to be making it known that they like this staff. Does that mean it will translate into instant success? No. But what I think it means is that they will be put on the right direction to having success in the win column, not this year, but the next and beyond. But more importantly, that they will be competitive in a lot of games and they will be fighting for their coaches, for their teammates till the very end. You saw players giving up last year. You saw terrible coaching all throughout. That should change. That's what we're hoping. And that's why I'm saying I think the Bears can find a path to getting seven wins. Again, I'm not betting it, but the more the plus money gets to the over, the more tempting just a little bit of a bet could be. Or just to have your conviction leaning that way, which mine certainly does. Easy schedule, better coaching, better line, better talent, better quarterback play out of fields, better results. Robert Quinn is still at camp. Says he wants to remain with the Bears. Apparently he's looking great out there. Get get something figured out with Roquan Smith. That's what you got to do with his contract. But yeah, I'm just saying, I think the Bears will not be as much of a walkover as everybody outside of Chicago is perceiving them. And I'm not saying people in Chicago are really high in the Bears. In fact... I haven't met that many people who agree with me thinking that they could get over six and a half except for the really just optimistic Bears fans. But I'm just saying, if you, if you genuinely look into the schedule and realize that their offense should only get better, the offensive line, you would hope, can only get better. They added more weapons offensively. They still have a good backfield. And Getze cannot be as bad as Matt Nagy. They have to be better and they will be better. Maybe it doesn't result in direct W's, but it will result in the competitive fire being there. Maybe them covering against the spread. They could be one of the best ATS teams at the end of the year because they're just a disrespected underdog. But like I've been saying, it'll make getting up on Sundays worth it. You will have something to look forward to. Last year, at first, you thought you did with Justin Fields, and then you saw the worst game plan of all time at Cleveland against the Browns. And that was just like, I don't even know what it was. It, it was it literally looked like a high school team going against a professional team. You will get ball movement offensively. Can their defense do enough to help them win games? Maybe not. Maybe not. Will field struggle? Yeah, he'll have some tough spots. But you will see the improvement and where the ceiling can be with this kid. And that's what makes it worth it this year. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you. Other news throughout Chicago, uh, apparently the White Sox are talking with the Cubs about Michael Givens. 
We apparently have heard them talking with Ian Happ. So we'll see if the White Sox and the Cubs can be in connection once again with uh, any transactions here at the deadline. We know the White Sox do need to stack up their bullpen. That is for sure. And that's probably what they'll do. Or they'll make a move for Juan Soto. Yeah, right. Could you imagine if they did that? Just how quick and how drastic that would alter your thoughts about this Sox season? They're at the point of barely making the playoffs, and then you pick up someone like that, and then you're talking, all right, screw the playoffs. We are in. We could make a run. Because you don't feel like they can make a run right now, do you? You shouldn't. Sorry, Sox fans. But we're just being realistic here. And in being realistic, no, of course we're not actually going to acquire Juan Soto. But will be very fascinating to see if he does get dealt. You think the Yankees get him? Eh, probably not. He just got Ben Attendee. I just don't think they're going to get him. I, I thought the Dodgers... Could be a team, it seems like. I mean, they're always in the sweepstakes to get him. Do you really need him? Come on, let some other teams get him. That's baseball for you, though. Maybe he stays. I mean, if you're the Nationals, you want to let him go right now? Then you'll have nothing to look forward to. Like nothing. You're already terrible with him. But, yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes on the Twitter sphere to see what goes on throughout the baseball realm. We've got, uh, yeah, what, less than 48 hours, of course. So uh, this is when the magic starts to happen. Where will Wilson Contreras go? You've heard talks about him and the Mets. Seems like that's really been the only team. And then Ian Happ, like we said, with the White Sox. And it's kind of funny if Ian Happ does go to the White Sox. So for the longest, not the longest time, but for a couple of years, really up until this point, I had been an Ian Happ doubter. And look, deep down, yeah, I love the guy. I, I love that he does great on the Cubs. And I have just gave him a lot of grief because I didn't like his swing. And he was just a high strikeout guy and would occasionally get a home run. This is dating back to like 2017, 2018. More importantly, like 2018 to like 2020. And my friend, who's a Sox fan, we would talk and just like say like, man, Ian Happ is so bad, so overrated, blah, 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 all of this. And then he goes off, I think, in the pandemic year to just have one of his better seasons. And my friend's like, yeah, Ian Happ's making us eat crow right now. I was like, you're right. Maybe we got to keep hating on him because that's when he does well. And then he had his ups and downs last year, but did pretty well. And then this year he's crushing it. But this year I admit, I'm like, all right, Ian Happ is the real deal. The dude's been amazing, made an all-star game. He's been a pro's pro. I was nothing against him personally. I just didn't think he had the best swing. But look, uh, what we're getting to is that if he does get traded to the White Sox, now watch him go back to that struggling point or what we thought was going to be a struggling point if he gets acquired by Chicago. That's just a way. I mean, look, that happened with Kimbrel last year uh, with the Cubs uh, and the White Sox or two years ago, however long it was. I get my ears mixed up at this point, but it just seems like it's uncanny. Like, the, the Sox got the benefit of the doubt from some prospects, but when the Cubs got, like, Jose Quintana, that didn't go too well. And apparently there are rumors that Quintana could be going to the White Sox. Could you imagine that? Yeah, he's been doing well with the Pirates. So props to Quintana. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll really be curious to see what the White Sox do. they got to add to their bullpen. If you get one more solid piece offensively cool, like, you know, you don't need Josh Harrison or... Lori Garcia in your lineup consistently. That would help if you got them out of the mix. But we'll see. Um, Sorry, went on a little bit of a uh, side rant with baseball. We are still talking NFL and forgot that we got to go over the Deshaun Watson news. So Deshaun Watson suspension is now official. Six games for the Cleveland Browns quarterback. 
A lot of thoughts that it could have been the whole year. I thought the appropriate thing would have been the full year, in my opinion, but that's that doesn't come down to me. It was either going to be six games or it was going to be the whole year, it seemed like. But just kind of Jake Trouter at ESPN wrote up about it, but... Yeah, source told ESPN's Adam Schefter, more than two years after the first civil lawsuit was filed, he has now been suspended six games. The NFL had been pushing for a suspension of at least a year, while the union and Watson's attorney argued that the quarterback should not be suspended at all. The sides discussed a potential settlement all the way up through the hearing, but they could not agree to a deal. In the days leading up to Robinson's decision, the league and Watson's side engaged in further settlement talks, sources told ESPN's Dan Graziano, but neither side felt they were close to an agreement. The most Watson's side indicated it was willing to offer was a suspension in the range of six to eight games, according to sources. The best the league indicated it was willing to offer was a 12-game suspension and a significant fine in the range of $8 million. While the NFLPA said it will not appeal the decision, the league still has the right to appeal. Since March 2021, 25 civil lawsuits have been filed against Watson, accusing him of actions ranging from inappropriate behavior to sexual assault during massage sessions. One of the 25 lawsuits was dropped after the judge ruled the petition had to be amended with the plaintiff's name. Watson and 20 of the other plaintiffs agreed to settle their lawsuits in late June. In mid-July, the Houston Texans reached settlements with 30 women who were prepared to make claims against the organization for its alleged role in enabling Watson's behavior while he was still with the team, according to uh, Busby. Tony Busby was a Houston attorney. Jeez. I know you already know this. I'm kind of just going over and still, I mean, like, look, whatever happened, happened, but there were, what, like 50 different massage parlors he visited or massage therapists, whatever. It's just unbelievable. Clearly, dude's got something wrong with it. And look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter my thoughts on it, really. You don't care about that. You just care how that's going to affect the betting market. And look, we were waiting to see what this win total was going to be for the Cleveland Browns. And he's going to miss six games, and now you got Jacoby Brissett. Or can the Browns make a move for a Jimmy Garoppolo, who clearly is available on the market? I mean, how do you even think that like affects the Browns' as a whole, like even if he's back, I mean, you got to they know the dude's off, right? He's weird as hell for going to all those different massage therapists. There's clearly some something not good happening with the Sean Watson. And how is that going to affect the Sean Watson in itself? How are the away crowds going to treat him? Look, the Browns on paper, sure, they have a decent team, but I would not be running to the counter betting anything positive with Cleveland I wouldn't those six games look DeAndre Hopkins missing six games that is impactful especially if it's your quarterback folks at Bet Rivers let's see the Browns are 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl AFC North are plus 275 let me see if they got their win total posted finally so looking to make the playoffs. Okay, so here we go. So to make the playoffs, yes is even money. No is minus 121. Their win total is at 9.5. Overs plus 103. Unders minus 125. Wow. I kind of thought it'd be like 8.5. So you're telling me Deshaun Watson here is going to miss six games. And yet this team still has a win total of 9.5 with Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback. I know you got Nick Chubb, you got a good defense, but you lost Odell, you lost Jarvis Landry. 
Who else is making it up on that depth chart? Amari Cooper, okay, sure. That's great. Donovan Peoples-Jones, unproven. David Bell, eh. Njoku, okay. It's a good lineup, don't get me wrong. It's a great roster. The defense is stacked, we know this. But Jacoby Brissett is fine. He's not great, he's not bad, he is fine. Now they do have a pretty favorable schedule the first six games. At Carolina versus the Jets versus the Steelers at Atlanta. My God, that's an incredibly easy four-game stretch. Carolina could sneaky win that game, though. Honestly, the Panthers should be a favorite in that game if Christian McCaffrey can do enough. You get the Jets at home. Jets on paper look better, but will they actually put it together? Eh, probably not. The Steelers, you get them at home. I don't like Pittsburgh, but they have a decent roster, too. At Atlanta, Atlanta's going to have one of the worst teams. You get the Chargers then at home and the Patriots at home. You could lose both of those games. So let's let's imagine they go 3-3. Three and three. Then Week 7 at Baltimore, that's a loss. Week 8 versus the Bengals, that could be a loss on Monday Night Football. At Miami, that could be a loss. At Buffalo, that could be a loss. Versus Tampa, that could be a loss. At Houston, that's a win. That's four. All right, screw it. We'll say you split with the Bengals. We'll give you five wins. Baltimore, I think you lose twice to the Ravens. Saints, I'll give you six wins. At Washington, seven. At Pittsburgh, eight. And that's me being generous, just saying you'll be a favorite in those spots. I don't like them over nine and a half, folks. And we'll talk about this team in this division coming next. Because tonight on Rush Hour, we're going to be discussing the final team in the AFC West, being the Las Vegas Raiders. But then we'll move on to the AFC North, because we've been waiting to see what the decision with Deshaun Watson was going to be. But nine and a half? Really? You got that much faith in Jacoby Brissett? All right. All right. We'll see. I'll have to search around the other books, see where they're at, too. If some book is giving me a flat 10, might have to hammer that. I doubt they will, but, hey, you never know. I've been caught off by some of these win totals and hoping to take advantage of it, baby. But that'll do it, folks. That's really the biggest news we got throughout the NFL. Major League Baseball, and a little bit of NBA with DeMar DeRozan today. So, appreciate you listening in. Hopefully, we get some more bets for you tonight on Rush Hour once we let those other games kind of marinate with the line moves and the starting pitchers and just shopping around and everything. But, yeah, I'll be having a preview of the Raiders. Good angle, I think, on them that we'll discuss for their futures bets. We'll have Mike Palm on the show, co-host of Odds On. He's over there at Circa. He'll be sharing some baseball thoughts, and I'm sure some football. And same with Adam Burke, my long-lost stepbrother, as we like to joke. Uh, he's VEASAN's betting analyst. He's incredible with his baseball knowledge, and I know he contributed a lot to VEASAN's college football betting guide. Make sure you get a hold of it, VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Not only will you get that, you will become a VEASAN all-access subscriber. Best tools available will definitely help you improve your handicapping assets. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk then about some of the baseball bets I got, folks. Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. You know the drill. And you know you can follow along on Twitter at DannyBurke5. All right, let me know what you're sweating out today, folks. Until tomorrow, best of luck with whatever you are playing. Enjoy the night and take care.